Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to not be in Romans today. Normally, it's it, if you haven't figured out by now, when it comes to holidays and different things, I usually just keep going. I get the blinders on and I just keep going with what we're doing. But... <clears throat> With it being Christmas and all of what it entails for us, I thought, well, you know, this passage came to mind here a couple weeks ago. And it's not one that people connect with Christmas. In fact, when you when you talk to folks, you know, oh yeah, those are the verses about Christ's humility. And, and that folks don't realize <clears throat> that when we start to break these four verses down, we see the reason and we see what had to take place for us to even experience <clears throat> the gospel, for us to even experience salvation, for us to even experience. Uh, that daily, uh, you know, walking with the Lord. In other words, uh, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We cannot experience those things without what took place in these four verses. And, you know, it's kind of funny this week. You know, usually on about Tuesday or Wednesday, I get a call. And it's, it's basically... So what are you preaching on this week? So I can put it in the bulletin. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with Philippians chapter 2 right now. And, and, and I'm also trying to sort out what I'm going to speak on tonight. One of the things that we learn <clears throat> from the Lord Jesus, and we learn from Paul, when Paul said, I need to be all things to all men, he's talking about how he needs to be able to communicate, whether it be with the Romans, whether it be with the Jews, whether it be with those at Corinth, or those at Ephesus, or those at Philippi, or, or any of these other places that he uh, went on his journeys. And... And so, you know, I got the question, well, what are you going to preach on on the Sunday night? And I said, man, I don't have a clue. I said, I'm having a hard time getting a beat on anything. And, and the Bible's full of all these normal Christmas passages that we use. <clears throat> and, and I can't believe this came out of her mouth. She goes, well, why don't you just use the same scripture for both services? <laughs> I go, I can't do that. <clears throat> and then I started thinking, by the end of the conversation was, you know, it is a completely different group of people. <laughs> and, and it's going to be... It's going to be a, a, a challenge to take this portion of Scripture tonight. And, and you know, there's, there's a word that we use. It's called expository. And that is expository teaching or preaching while using a proper exegesis of Scripture, you're going, what? 
It means taking Scripture and relaying it to the hearers so that they can grasp what's being said. And <clears throat> tonight is going to be a Heinz 57 group of people. And, uh, you know, every preacher likes to think that, you know, everybody that comes to hear him hangs on their every word. Yeah, especially tonight, not so much. And, you know, I, I was thinking this morning, I said about half of them will probably turn me off when I first walk up there. And, and the other half, I don't know what. You know, but it's just, and I don't mean that in a, a negative sense, but it's a sense of, all right, Lord, you're going to have to give me the words to relate to the people tonight. And so this morning, I'm just going to throw a bunch of big words at you and you're going to figure it out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's read these uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I want to go through this because <clears throat> we look at this and we think the humility of Christ. Let me say something to you. We cannot show true humility, godly, divine humility, without godly, divine love. It's impossible. Because that love is not a love of self. It's not a love of things. It's a love of God that does what? It filters down into a love for others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If you were sitting in a you know, theology 202, and you were studying Christology, which is the study of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, you would look at this, and the, and the professor would tell you this is the kenosis passage. You'd be like, what? It speaks of the emptying of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what it is, and what took place. What had to take place For us to be able to come to God, for us to be declared righteous by God through Jesus Christ, and hopefully it just gives us a, a new sense of what Jesus did for us and the amount of love that we cannot even begin to define. We don't have the words for it. And hopefully this can help us begin to see those things and, and, and tweak our spiritual thinking. Remember in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hopefully, as we look at this this morning, it can renew our minds. And we can view the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> not in a whole new light, but begin to see Him more clearly than maybe we did before. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We start off there. Why is that? Well, <clears throat> the, the church at Philippi had a problem. And we all think of, of the church at Philippi and Philippians as this wonderful church that had no problems, a church of brotherly love. They loved each other. They got along. You know, it was like they sang Kumbaya before every service and all these kinds of things. And <clears throat> they had some unity problems. Uh, they had some struggles within the church. Now overall, there was a good testimony of the church, but Paul was able to see through the working of the Holy Spirit below the surface and say, hey, we got some stuff going on here. And, you know, one of the things that keeps us from being unified and of one mind and one spirit that it says in chapter 1, verse 27, is pride. Okay? Is arrogance. Is a lack of love for one another. You know, it's, you know what's really funny about church? And I may have said this a few weeks ago. I don't remember. I go shooing and I forget everything. My brain rusts for a week and then I get back. <clears throat> but church is a place where you can come and be knit together through the Lord Jesus Christ to people that you have nothing in common with. Think about it. Or very little in common. Or some you have a little, you have some in common. You can speak the same language. You, you did the same kind of work. To, and others, you know, huh? Okay. You think about it. You know, if you're you're in a church of some size, and and you have folks from all over the map, all different kinds of walks of life, histories. You, you got you know. Might as well pick on Nathan if you're listening. You know, Nathan comes from, from Texas. And he, what, what do we like to say? He don't know Sikkim from come here when it comes to being here. And this, this place that we live. I mean, he was like, I mean, I remember sitting down with him going, all right, pumpkin, listen to me. He used to hate, he still does, I still call him pumpkin. But, you know, he... he he was, he was, there was times where he was going, who are these people? And I'm going, you're okay. You're okay. But you know, God brings us together. And, and sometimes we struggle with unity because we see things differently. You know, there, there's you know, processes that maybe we go through to make decisions that, you know, others, you know, how do I get from step A to step B? One big leap. You know, and others have it broke down into step 1A, 1B, 1C, you know, 1X, 1Y, 1Z, hour or two. 
And the ones that do it in a leap are like, what's wrong with you people? And the other people going, you guys don't plan. You guys are, no wonder nothing's working. You know, we just kind of do these kinds of things. And, and a lot of times underneath that is, you know, the monster of me, my, my way. And so Paul had to, to, to say, listen, if there be any consolation in Christ, verse 1, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, love being one of one accord of one mind. And he says, alright, here's the mind that you need to have. And he begins to describe it. He says, and, and he's describing here in verses 6, 7, and 8, the Lord Jesus. And he says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. We break that down. What's he, what, when you hear the term form, what do you think? Shape. Size. Okay? That's what we think form. But you break this down and you look at the word when, when Paul wrote this, and the, and the Greek word for form translating into the English is a very difficult translation. And the best way we can describe it is it's much deeper than the outward appearance. It is His very essence and His very nature. There's, there's a big attack on the Trinity today. You know, this idea of, well, if we can't comprehend it, therefore it must not be real. If we can't comprehend it, that's not God's problem, it's ours. And by the way, this side of heaven, you're going to struggle with trying to figure out God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, three persons of equal station, but have differing, uh, different ministries, as it were. To the Christian and to salvation. God the Father established the plan of salvation. God the Son carried it out. God the Holy Spirit was the agent that drew us to God the Son. We come to God the Son and we're saved. And it's the Holy Spirit that indwells us and guides us and comforts us all the time while God the Son is now our mediator in heaven, our advocate. You know, pretty soon the smoke starts rolling out. And we're going, I don't, trust me, you get to heaven, you'll go, oh, well that was easy. But right now it's difficult. But there's an attack on the Trinity today. And that's why Paul has to declare right off the, the, the bat, he was God. He didn't become God when he was born. He didn't become God when He went to heaven and somehow reached this God-like status. How many know John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus Christ. When it says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, it means it was nothing for him to grasp a hold of. Why? Because he was indeed God. So that gives us a picture here in verse 5 of who Jesus Christ was. God the Son. 
If you were to keep going in John chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and there was not anything made that was made. In other words, He was the Creator. You go back to Genesis 1, and it says, In the beginning, God. Whenever you see in the Old Testament that word God, it comes from the uh, Hebrew word Elohim, which literally means the plurality of God. Which is what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Ray touched on it when in creating man. Let us make man in our image. So verse 6 describes two things. In His very essence and His nature, with all of the attributes and characteristics, He was God. In His eternality. He is without beginning and without ending. We see that in Revelation where He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. <clears throat> and, it, and it backs it up by the, the second half of verse 6. Plainly spoken, He was God. He is God. And then we get to this this word kenosis, which means an emptying. And this is where, you know, there's a little bit of some, some teaching out there today that, that says, well, he emptied himself and was no longer God. If you're a king, Ray's a king, right? And you're used to seeing Ray and he's got all his, well, back in the day, he'd have all his robes on and all the, the stuff and the person over him with the big feather thing, you know, to keep the sun off his hair, his head. <laughs> but, but you would know that Ray is by birth, he is the king. But let's say one day Ray decides to go to town. And Ray just puts on his work clothes and he just wants to mingle with the people. Did Ray cease being king? No. He's still king. But what has he done? He's humbled himself. He humbled himself. Nobody else humbled him. Okay? but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He restrained himself. He came to this earth born as a baby. He did not cease to be God. This is a tremendous picture of the love of Christ for, for you and I. Nobody took away His divine attributes and His divine power and all of those omnipotence and all these things that we... we okay, omniscience. All of these characteristics that... We used to define God. No, God defines them. 
Right? He didn't lose any of those things. But what he did is he, in a sense, humbled himself to our level and restrained those. Let's keep going. It says, and took... Upon him the form of a servant. <clears throat> he took on the very nature of man. <clears throat> that word took also uh, could be translated taken. It is an addition, not an exchange. Christ did not exchange his divine nature for man's nature. Because what was man? What is man's nature? Fallen, sinful. What does James chapter one tell us about our nature? Julie brought it up. People want to blame God. No, 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 no. You want to know who your biggest enemy is? Let's let's pass a mirror around. There's our biggest enemy. Because we have that old fallen nature that we deal with. Romans 6 talks about that. He did not exchange his divine nature, who he was, for man's fallen nature. He added. That word, that phrase there literally means an addition, not an exchange. He was all God, but yet he came and was made in the likeness of man. Humanity was added to his nature. Let me, let me just ask you. If you were in his shoes, would you want to add our shoes? Knowing our shoes? Would you want to restrain who you are and take on humanity with all of its pain and suffering and foolishness and, and all of those things? Verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There is no limit to the love of God. There is no limit to Christ's love. That he willingly restrained who he was and willingly humbled himself took on humanity for us. That's why He came. See, He had to take on humanity to do what? To be that sacrifice. He had to take on humanity so that He could show us how to withstand temptation. James 1 talks about, but every man is drawn away when what? 
drawn away by the deception of his own sinful nature. Well, how did Christ show us to combat that? To stand against that? You know, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles means continual trickery. It means he'll be back. So what did he do? In his humanity, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, was tempted by Satan himself for 40 days. It's just the last three are recorded. What did he do? He said, you want a blueprint right now to stand against temptation? Sure it is. We would not have Christmas without this passage. We would not have the Gospel without this passage. It opens the window and opens the door for us to see what Christ did for us. Why He came. In the example, <clears throat> Bo asked me, we were talking today, you guys helped out with this, man. I had nothing to say this morning. I just listened to you guys for like five minutes and it all come together. <laughs> It happens that way, by the way, sometimes. Bo says, what's, what's the word for biblical love? Or love in the Bible? And I said, it depends. There's eros, which is a physical love. There's phileo, which is brotherly love. And there's agape, which is divine love. You want to define divine love? You want to you get the definition of divine love, here it is right here. That Almighty God humbled Himself and took upon humanity for us, all the while being God. Restrained Him, as it were, Himself. And became obedient unto death. Became obedient unto the will of the Father. For you and I. I used to, and, and, and I'll confess, I used to say this. Christ needs to be the priority in your life. He needs to be number one in your life. On your list of priorities, Christ needs to be number one. You know what? What a bunch of who. There is no list. He alone is the list. He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our praise. Because of what? Because of this. People say, ah, I need to make Jesus number one. No, you need to get rid of your list and just write Christ on that page and that is it. End of story. 
you know, I asked Bo to read verse 21 of chapter 1, and it says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's he saying? He's saying, Christ is my life. Christ is our life because of this right here. We celebrate, celebrate Christmas as believers. And we do family things. We come together and we have presents and we enjoy one another. But above it all, we remember that Christ came. I, I, my brain turns off when I think what was like for him being God to say, okay, I am going to restrain, I am going to lower myself, and I'm going to put on the clothes of the commoner, and I'm going to, to limit myself So that I can reach those who do not deserve being reached. I'm going to reach those who are unworthy. Those who are condemned already. Yeah, that's what he did for us. That is the magnitude of what went in so that we could experience life in Christ. He don't need to be number one on the list. He just is the list. You guys are going to fall apart. Because we're done. <laughs> You get you get what we're saying though. We would do well to think on those things. Paul told Timothy, I believe in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, and I could be wrong, but he says, Meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them. That thy growth may appear to all. And that phrase appeared all means something shiny, something reflective that does what? Reflects who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I just pray that we would. Seek to know the Lord Jesus more and more, Father. And in doing so, I begin to experience who He is. And begin to see others through His eyes, Lord. And the depth of the love that was shown to us, Father. Lord, I just uh, thank You so much for uh, this time of year, Father. But... 
Father, we thank you for the cross of Calvary. Pray now that you will just watch over us today. Lord, I pray you'll be with the service tonight. <clears throat> Lord, and just bless that, Lord. You've said that your word will not go out void, that it will accomplish, that it will connect, Lord. So we just ask you for that. We just pray that you will watch over us this week. Lord, help us as we get ready to move into the new building. We're getting everything together, Lord. We just pray for wisdom and protection in this, Father. Lord, just watch over us this week. Help us to remember who we are. In Jesus' name.